Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning into this segment of the show featuring our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. And thank you so much for your continued support. The show is currently ranked number three in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list. We've been number two in June and July, now number three in August and September. We'd certainly appreciate your vote. You can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. You guys have been fantastic. This is your show, and you're certainly showing that by your votes. Thank you so very much. Y'all are fantastic. Enjoy this segment. Before we get started, I always like to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I were there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about what they have up there is first class. The accommodations are great. The practice facility is fantastic. Got even better not long ago when they opened up their new Himalayas putting course. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular is a huge understatement. Can't say enough great things about the place, folks. Go online to themacklemore.com to see for yourself how great it is. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed with him, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about the place by going online to themacklemore.com. I also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game. Because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a catback design and a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, Try the Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me, like he is every other week, is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tom will soon be transitioning back to his home base in Naples, Florida. So if you want the best in the game to help you with your golf swing, go see Tom at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club. Get your reservations, get your flights, get whatever you need to get to get down to Naples, Florida, and go see Tom. If you can't get there... Download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing through that app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel, folks, where you can watch over 300 free video lessons. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and I'm a little sad to say that I'm only going to get to do this one other time after tonight for this golf season. Good evening, TP. How are you, my friend? Christy, 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 boy. <laughs> TBR, my friend. Let's see. Aaron Judge is sitting on 60. He's just, he, won't, he won't hit that 61st for me to celebrate. He's not at the 62nd yet. I went to Giant Stadium last night for the Giant Cowboy game. I drove all the way from Charlottesville, Virginia. And the thing I came to the conclusion when I left that game with Chris was that Daniel Jones is worse in person than he's on TV. So, <laughs> other than that, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I'd like to feel sorry for you, but I don't. Because you're you know, you can't you lose enough from me. So. 
I, I understand that you don't care about the Yankees, you don't care about my my, my Giants. But they, I, Christian, Daniel Jones was sixth in the in the draft that year. He came out, and and I want to know what the, the the then GM of the Giants saw in Daniel Jones that made him think ten pick prospect. I I I guess I don't know anything about it at all. I just don't. He he wasn't very impressive last night. He hasn't been impressive. And like I said, in person, it's uglier than on TV. Dude, if I could figure out what GM thought, you know, they always make fun of us armchair quarterbacks like we don't know anything and they know everything. Look, you know, first-round draft picks are a hit or miss. My Steelers have certainly swung and missed their, their, share, their fair share over the years. So I feel your pain on that level. Oh, man, let me tell you, he's so bad, it's unbelievable. He's just awful. All right, Tom, let's talk a little golf, and I got to get your thoughts on the President's Cup. It started out looking like it was going to be the route that everyone was saying it was going to be. The international team, boy, they hung tough. They had a good fight, particularly on Saturday. And, and then when Siwoo Kim beat Justin Thomas in the first match on Sunday, I was like, oh, my goodness, we're not going to actually blow this thing, are we? But they didn't. They hung on. They won 17 and a half to 12 and a half. But what did you think about what you saw? Well, I, I think that one of the things that really proves to me in in, um, in small detail is that world rankings and the way world rankings are done are, are, are a bit of a joke. Listen, anybody that's playing, you know, worldwide golf on a major tour, any major tour currently on this planet is awfully, awfully talented. And, you know, to make them that big of an underdog, I understand they didn't have the wins on their side, didn't have all the experience on their side, but these guys are really wonderful players. I mean, these guys, you know, play, you know, world-class golf across, across the continent, and, and they're not to be taken lightly. And, and maybe it was a little bit of a letdown on our part or so, but I, I thought, to your point, they did a wonderful job hanging tough, um, certainly against the stacked American team, uh, and, and they did themselves proud. I mean, that that was a hell of a fight they put up and 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 showed some real guts out there and I I think they kind of leave there with their head held high. Listen, it was an L and I get L's don't feel good, but they they did a nice job I thought. Tom, how good were Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas? How much fun are those two to watch when they team together? They won all four of their matches where they were paired together. Jordan made some unbelievable chip-ins and putts, and Justin very animated and funny with his gestures when Jordan would make a big putt or when he chipped in for the win on 15 on Saturday. It seems like these two guys need to be paired together for all the President's Cups and Ryder Cups that they qualify for over the rest of their careers, but how much fun are those two? You know, you know Chris, it's funny. When you, when you get paired with somebody who you're really comfortable with, who you're, who you're friendly with, who you feel good about. I, I, my sophomore year in college, I played in, uh, in five best ball events with one of my college teammates who I was very close to. Uh, and we, we won all five of those events that summer, all five two-man team events, amateur events. And it, it was, you know, there was a lot of juju there and there was a lot of good feelings and you had a lot of confidence in the guy next to you hitting shots. And you had a couple, it's the same situation. These two guys like each other. They play a lot of practice rounds together. They play a lot of golf at home together. They're, they're close friends. They, they know each other's games very well. 
um, and they and they they care about each other. So they're going to go out there and play their hearts out with one another. That's just that's just really good mojo. I mean, when I pair them together every time, just like you said, every single time. The opposite side of that coin is Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. I think we all thought they they were going to go out there and dominate, regardless of who they got paired against. And you could argue that Scheffler and Burns were the top two American players out on tour this year, and they promptly go 0-2 and 1. And then Captain Love sat him down Saturday afternoon for the four-ball matches. And on Sunday, Scheffler loses his singles match to Sebastian Munoz. Sam Burns manages a tie with Hideki Matsuyama. So collectively, they go winless for the event. You surprised that they couldn't come together and, and even get a point when they were paired together? Yeah, I, I am surprised, but... but um but I also understand that those two guys have been playing great golf all season. They've been grinding. You know, they, they, they chased each other throughout the year in terms of player of the year, in terms of money, in terms of titles. Um, I gotta, I gotta believe that, you know, to some point that they're a little burnt out and a little fried at this point in their calendar year. Um, that being said, I am surprised they went winless, but, but man, that, you know, they, they've gotta be exhausted physically and mentally. They've been, working so hard and pushing so hard throughout the season and had great seasons individually, I think it's just a little bit about a gas. That's all that is. On the international team, a guy that really stole the show was Tom Kim. On Saturday, he had some great play and just great, wonderful displays of emotion, which I love seeing out on tour. He and K.H. Lee beat Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns, one of those losses those guys had in foursomes. Kim team with Siwoo Kim to beat Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley in the four-ball round. People are predicting that he's going to be the next big thing out on the PGA Tour. Is this a guy that not only the international team can get excited about and for his future, but also those of us who have been looking for a guy with personality and who generates some excitement out there? Is it too early that Tom Kim may be a guy who ascends up to elite player status, gets up there with the Jordan Spieth and the Justin Thomases of the world, and we get excited about a guy that is out there showing emotion and getting people pumped up and, and that sort of thing. Is it too early to think that that might be him in 2023? Yeah, he's, you know, he's the, in, in the team competition, he was the good guy version of Patrick Reed, you know? Um, <laughs> he was the good guy version. He, He's certainly shown us recently, uh, not even before the President's Cup, some really good play and, 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 and displayed enormous talent. This kid is, you know, he's a world-class player and he's on the rise. Uh, I love his game. I, I love the enthusiasm. I love the passion he brings to the team. Um, yeah, he, he looks pretty good, Chris. I know let's not get too close to anointing anybody the next, the next king of the game, but. He certainly seems to have all the tools, and, and, he, and he's certainly fun to watch with his animation, for sure. And speaking of him, Tom, how clutch was Max Homa in the singles? He beat Kim one up in the singles matches on Sunday, thanks to a great birdie on 15. Max really came up big for the U.S. team. Is he a guy that, you know, on top of all the guys that, that we have lumped together for you know, sort of the the – the, I don't know, the best players on tour, the group of the best players on tour. Max Holmes feels like a guy who's scratching his way into that crowd. You know, we, we, we paid a lot of attention to this guy, Scheffler. 
He paid a lot of attention at the end of the year to Rory McIlroy. He paid a lot of attention to Sam Burns. Um, if you look back at Max Homa's last two years and the body of work he's done and the steady rise, you know, he, he's very quietly played extremely well, Chris. I mean, really, really played great golf. And he always seems to be getting just a little bit better each year, a little bit better. And he, he's creating almost, it seems like weekly, a better version of himself. Um, and, and you got to like his sound bites. you got to like the personality. Um, he, he's also fun to watch. Um, he's right outside, I mean, just on the outside edges of that really exclusive circle. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Max do something really special in the next couple of years. He's playing some beautiful golf. Tom, I want to go back to Jordan Spieth for a moment. He won his singles match over Cam Davis to complete a 5-0 and week. Is this something that Jordan can build off of to propel himself into next season, looking ahead, obviously, to the Masters in a place that we'd love to see him get redemption? Is this something that he can ride a wave on all the way up to next April, or is that just too far out to, to be able to think that you can sustain some sort of momentum or positive vibes that far into next year? You know, Chris, every time we see Jordan on this beautiful rise, or there's something that's very, very, you know, special, like this last week was special, and how well he plays this first. He then disappoints us the following out, and then he's good again, and he's bad again. Jordan Spieth is probably the player on tour that, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I understand the least. I, I don't understand the the role coach that he seems to be on in his career. He certainly has these, these you know, weeks of absolute brilliance, um, and most of that brilliance is driven with his wedge game and his putter. Um, I, I wouldn't, he's never really impressed me with his, his ball striking, but his short game is nothing short of miraculous. And then, and then he vanishes. Then he plays, and, and, and then we'll see him miss some putts that, you know, you know, my members miss on weekends, you know, playing at the club. Um, so I don't really understand him. Um, he's certainly, you know, a crowd darling. I, I, I don't know how to even answer Chris. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to show up from week to week. It's a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. And to take that a step further, Tom, his putter seems to be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, no doubt. in 2015, no doubt. the guy made everything he looked at. And then it, and, and, he falls all Chris, the way down to Chris, the bottom and, and strokes gain putting. How, what happens and, that that and, and ebbs Chris, and flows? Let's go back to 2015. If you remember in 2015, he hit everything from 10 feet in looking at the hole. Do you remember that? Yeah, for sure. And, and he made everything. He looked, he set up, he looked at the hole, and he made the stroke looking at the hole. And now we watch him from 10 feet in sometimes, and he looks like, you know, looks like, you know, my, my, my lab at home can do better, you know? Um, <laughs> he, you know, he, he's got to go back. You know, you got to go back historically and look at when I was good, what was I doing that made me good? And, why Why did he ever go away from that? I mean, he was so good in 2015, and he, that, that was his routine. Inside 10 feet, he looked at the hole. Why wouldn't you go back and say, you know what? How did I get away from that? What, what, maybe I should go back and try that again. Because sometimes from 10 feet in, he is, he makes this 20 or 30-footer over a hill, downhill, side hill on the fastest green in America, and he gets over a three or four-footer, and he doesn't touch the cup. 
I, you know, I, I, that, those are things I don't really understand. You know? and, I, and I listen, we've all been there. We, we, we've played golf competitive in our life or professionally. We, we've all done those things. But when you have a pattern that was successful and you've documented that pattern, why, why get away from it? Why go away from it? Well, so now let's take that a little bit further because I'm going to be asking Tony Ruggiero a little bit later on tonight, and he had a conversation with Hal Sutton about this as well. Players today, when things start to go wrong, they start to have an, an issue where it's everybody but me. Right? It can't be me, it must be you. Right? And they start to blame the coach, they start to blame everybody else around them. Talk about that and that sort of mindset for... It was working. It was going fine. And now it's not. So it's got to be somebody else's fault. It can't be me. Well, first of all, t- tell Tony hi. I've known Tony for a long time. He's a wonderful teaching mind. He's really, he's really catapulted himself in the industry and he's a very talented guy. So please say hi to him for me, Chris. But to, to answer your question, you know, you know, it's my equipment. It's my coach. You know, uh, I broke up with my girlfriend. My dog doesn't like me anymore. You know, I, I think when you're when you're a uh, when you're a world class player and a golfer, you want to deflect it. You don't want to you don't want to ever think it's yourself. You want to be kind of bulletproof yourself, and you're looking for that excuse. I, I played a lot of golf in 1980 and 81 when I was at Florida Southern with a guy named Andy Bean who was on tour at the time. And he was a top ten player in the world, and you know if Bean missed a putt, you know they were supposed to make. It hit a spike mark, it hit a ball mark, and you look at the line, and the line was perfectly pure. There was nothing on the green. There was no ball mark. There was no spike mark. But he would never take the blame because he didn't want to damage his psyche. So I think that's a, uh, I think that's a protection mechanism that's almost, uh, almost necessary in some ways. Because you don't want to damage your psyche. You know, you want to have an excuse that keeps you kind of psyche clean, if you will. Um, I get that to a point. But I also feel like, you know, at some point you have to take responsibility for the action. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. And one of the many changes that the PGA Tour has made, probably in reaction to live golf, is the elimination of the wraparound season. So this is the last year we're going to see of it. Next year, there's going to be events for players who are outside of the top 70 to continue to compete for status. Because next year, the tour playoffs are going to be reduced down from 125 to the top 70 to get into the first round. Are we better off with the game taking a four-month break when everyone is watching football and playoff baseball in the start of the NBA season anyway, or are you going to miss the wraparound season? I've always been a uh, critic of the wraparound season because I always thought that the guys on tour, um, regardless of their status, needed some downtime to decompress and and get fresh again. And I I thought the wraparound season some degree, if it continues, it's going to be very damaging in shortened careers. You know, you've got to rest your brain, you've got to rest your body, and and you, and you need a break. You need to get away. You need some family time. You need, you need some, you know, clear the head out a little bit. I, I was never a big fan of references. I'm not going to miss it personally. Um, I, I just, I, I just felt it, it, it was potentially very damaging to players. I mean. Listen, these guys hit a tremendous amount of golf balls. They walk, you know, incredible amount of mileage during the course of the year. They're under a lot of pressure to perform week in and week out. Um, and they need time to decompress and rest. 
and take some and take some wear and tear off their body for a while. So I thought it was uh, I thought it was a bad idea all the way along. TP, one more before I let you go, and I want to get a playing lesson from you. A wise guy I know, and take that any way you want, has been hammering me about short game, short game, short game for years. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's say I'm 189 yards out from the green. There are bunkers in front of it. So I want to hit a shot. I want to bring it in high. And my 52-degree wedge is my 100-yard club. Talk about the ways that I can dial that wedge down and hit that shot successfully. Let's go. Let's even take take a step back for a second, Chris. You know, I, I had this exact conversation two days ago with a member of my Farmington that takes instruction from me, um, and I, I he was hitting some shots. It was not a lesson. I just woke up while he was practicing, and he was hitting um he was hitting his his gap wedge, which in his case was a fifty four degree club. He was hitting it full at a target out there in the range, and he was hitting really solid shots. And and they were kind of landing past the flag, short of the flag, past the flag, short of the flag. And the first thing I said to him was, I said to him, I said, Todd, how how far is that flag that you're hitting those balls towards? And he said, Well, I don't know. I said, So you're practicing for a target, not knowing how far it is. I said, Would you know how far it is if you're on the golf course? He said, Yeah, I would. I said, Do me a favor, take your range finder out and just shoot that target. So he did. And I said, how far does your 54-degree club go if you hit it full? He was going to hit about 105 yards. I said, how far is that target? He said, it's 92 yards. I said, let's see you hit that shot 92 yards. So, of course, he tried to make a swing without making any real adjustments and kind of tried to de-sell his arms, if you will, and he kind of chunked it and it came up about 70 yards. Not very pretty. So I said, well, you know, can I ask you a question, Ty? So when you go out on the golf course, regardless of what club you pull from your bag, I said, for example, how far does your seven iron go? He goes, well, it goes about 155. I said, how many times do you have to hit a drive? Are you on exactly 155? He goes, well, almost never. I said, in that, in that, that 54 degree club that goes 105, how many times are you actually on 105? He said, well, probably never. I said, so how do you hit partial? How do you fill the gaps between clubs? And most clubs, if they're, if they're fitted correctly, have about a 10 to 12 yard gap between. So how do you fill those 10 to 12 yards in, in between shots? And he said, well, how do you do it? I said, well, the first thing I do is I practice it. I mean, I shoot a target, I get a number, and I say to myself, okay, how do I dial that in? Do I, do I choke down on the club a little bit? Do I change my ball position at all? Do I want to change the trajectory the ball is flying at? Do I, do I, you know, put more weight on my left foot or my right foot? Do I alter the size of my back and do I alter the size of my follow-through? What do I do in combination to, to create that, that in-between number? I said, you know, when I go to the range, I pick out a target, and whatever that target number is, I want to make that ball land dead 10 high every time. Uh, and the score, the score is really good at getting the ball to 10 high every time. They, they, they can control their distances. They can control their trajectories their contact quality, and their spin rate. Um, and, and amateurs don't practice that way. So you have to practice to numbers that are those awkward numbers, those in-between numbers, because they got to come up on the golf course. they got to come up on the golf course every, you know, every time you play golf. And the guy that can really control those, what I call gap yardages, can really dial in things and, and, and have more birdie putts and hit more greens and regulation. So I think making those little, those little creative adjustments are the things that separate a good player 
from a great player. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing on your website, on social media, and how they can come to you to get a lesson. Chris, I, I'm, I'm, you know, almost out of here. I'm, I'm heading back to Crown Colony in a, in a, in about a week or so. I'm, I'm going to be at my last date in at Farmington is um, October 12th. So I'll be on the road on the 13th, and I start down there on the 20th. Uh, at Crown Con, I'm looking forward to my third season there. But, you know, all the normal places. My website is TomPatry.com, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, big presence on Instagram. And, of course, the YouTube page is doing just great. And it's, like you said, there's over 300 videos there. Um, I think you should have them all memorized by now, because I hope you do. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, more importantly, how about that top five of both of those, for both of these shows by the man, Chris Mascaro, it's unbelievable. It, it's so well deserved. We love you. Um, tell Tony Ruggiero I said hi. Mark Lai is a, fame, a, 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 a fellow Naples resident. So, Mark, I said hi. And you are the greatest. I love you. I'll see you in two weeks for sure. I appreciate you, TP. You're the best, my friend. Stay safe out there. And uh, tell Denise to stay safe down where she's at as well. I look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks. I love you, my friend. Thanks, Kyle. Love you, too. Bye-bye, buddy. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry, folks. Doesn't get any better than TP. Make sure you're you're on his website, TomPatry.com. Make sure you're all over those golf lessons that you can get for free on his YouTube channel. There isn't a finer person on the planet that uh, that I love, like Tom Patry and uh, he and his lovely wife and all all the folks that are down there in the Naples area. We're thinking of you, Tampa. All the folks on the on the Gulf Coast of Florida. We're thinking about you tonight. You're in our thoughts and you're in our prayers, and you will be for the next several days. Looking forward to catching up with with Tom again in a couple of weeks.